Amen. Well, good morning again, church. I'm not used to coming up here twice in a row. This is my second good morning with you guys today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 4 is where we're going to be hanging out uh, this morning as we just continue walking through the life of Moses and his family and uh, just kind of seeing what lessons God has prepared for us in Scripture. Uh, and as we do this, you'll find for the next, this week, and then we, we'll go and still be here next week, that we really look at the New Testament to define, to help us understand the big picture that God's doing in the Old Testament. Um, and we look in the Old Testament, and we get to see Jesus pictured in so many ways. And that's what we see here today in this passage of Scripture. Um, I, I don't know about this, but, but I have two brothers and a sister, right? So just a quick show of hands. Who has siblings in this room? Anybody have siblings? Yeah, good. Put your hand up. Who's an only child in this room? Yeah, a couple of you guys. Now I know, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's, a, it's a thing. Family is an interesting thing. Every family is different. Every family has different dynamics. I remember when Christy and I were going through premarital counseling and just kind of sharing what our family dynamics were. And we knew we were from different families, but the more we started to articulate it, the more we saw just the way that we interacted with our siblings and those things, those were different. But what was interesting is the foundation for that family, for those relationships, was the same. And, and I think that was what was most beautiful about um, learning about family together. Um, in our home, my older brother and I, my younger brother's five years younger than I was. And just to kind of put that in, in age, we didn't get to really hang out until we became adults, right? Because when you're 14 and your nine-year-old brother wants to come around, that's a bad day, right? I mean, how that works. And we kind of wrestled through those things. But a lot of my memories are with my older brother growing up. I mean, I, I, just for a moment, just think of some of the things you and your siblings did that made a mark on your life in a positive way, right? I mean, think through that. I, I remember growing up, like before DoorDash was a thing, right? Before it was a deal, back in 1985... Me and my brother and my mom, we would walk the neighborhood streets with pieces of paper and it would be a donut request list. And they would say, people would say what kind of donut, and we'd write down their name. And then Saturday morning, we would drive to the donut shop, pick up the donuts, and then it was DoorDash, donut delivery, Saturday morning during the summers, right? That was just, that was what we did. And, and I just remember some of those great memories from that please don't ask my mom about she watches this so she'll she'll let you know I believe we did it with wonderful spirits the whole time but you know I just remember that fondly now I remember my my grandparents on my my dad's side whenever we moved they moved right which is kind of a bouncing around thing but there was one point in time um and the day was a little different where they moved within bike riding distance y'all and it was so fantastic to have that bike ride my older brother and I we would jump on our bicycle and did your bicycle have like a plastic thing between the handlebars that made it cool you know like a Batman signal or something like that that was what we had and we would drive it over and just when we would share those memories with our brothers my sisters and those kinds of things it's amazing that the memories in my life that stick out the most are the ones that are shared quite honestly. I have many less memories of just me by myself. I remember when I fill in the blank. My parents tell me those memories, but the ones that stand out are the ones that are shared. 
And as I was walking through the life of Moses, Aaron, his brother, plays a big role in this. He plays a big piece of this puzzle. And they don't always get along. I love that scripture is honest. Moses and Aaron, sometimes there's bickering matches going on. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But much of the time, God shows us the beauty of the brotherly relationship that he gave these two. And, and if you look in scripture, I, I looked in my uh, passage here. I apologize. I think it's me. It's not you. Um, but, but as you look through scripture in the big picture of things, um, if you look at the word brothers, it's in 808 verses. The word brother shows up in 808 verses. The word sister shows up in 135 verses as well. So brothers, see, I saw all the brothers. Now I know who's a brother. You're like, uh-huh, that's how it is. So as we walk through that, this word is used so much. It is used over and over and over again in Scripture. And what I want you to know is, I started to dig through that. Like, why is this word so important? What does it mean? Why does God go out of his way to show us, even in Moses and Aaron's life, this purpose of brothers? And really, when you think of brothers now, we think of our brothers in Christ, right? We think of our sisters in Christ, our siblings. So I looked up definitions. There's lots of definitions out there. So I just did what we do today. I picked the one I like the most. Amen? Y'all okay with that? This is what I picked. A basic definition is a man in relation to other sons and daughters connected by his parents. A man in relation to other sons and daughters connected by his parents. Here's what that means. You can't be a brother or a sister unless you stand in a relationship with other sons and daughters. Like that's what makes us brothers and sisters. Our relationship with sons and daughters connected by our parents. Y'all all know where we're going now, right? Y'all follow, this is church. This is like softball Sunday, right? So as we walk through that, I just started to, to look at that. And, and that's what Jesus says. There's a story uh, recorded in scripture, Matthew chapter 12, about Jesus. And he's teaching the people and his mother and his brothers come up to the door. And they're kind of on the outside. Wherever Jesus' teaching is pretty popular. And when he's teaching, um, some guys come and they say, hey, your, your mother and brother are here. And listen to how Jesus responds to this in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 48. He said, but he replied to the man who told him, but who's my mother and who are my brothers, right? And, and if we want to let on our face value, that sounds pretty insulting to mom. And like, you, if your mom comes, knocks on your door, you know, like, well, who is my mother? Like, in our context, we might think, well, why is Jesus smarting off? What's going on here? Listen what he does. Listen to what he says. And stretching out his hand towards his disciple, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. See, Jesus wasn't belittling family in this passage. He wasn't putting his mother down. He was broadening family. He was making it bigger. He was showing them that the, the relationships that we have on earth and the family and church, you will hear me say it over and over again. God gave us family so that we could see the closest thing to understanding what our relationships and attorney are gonna be like. That's, this is our practice ground. 
And, and Jesus says, our families, my mother and my brother, it's not that they're unimportant to me, but it's bigger than that. My family is more than that. He's broadening this picture. And, and I remember journaling and scribbling down, like, what a real beautiful thought. I know my brothers and sisters and their relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have a special relationship as brothers and sisters. But brothers and sisters in Christ changes it completely. It makes it more, right? Mom and dad, that's why we pray so much. That's why we, we put the word of God in front of our children over and over and in again, right? Because we don't want them to stay our children forever. We want them to become what? our brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of the King in relationship with us. Like that's our dream. And my kids, I was just thinking they're singing, Lord, I need you in that moment. And you know, you have to be careful as a newly empty nester, I'm getting broken in here, right? But, but I just thought like right now, my daughter is just finished service worshiping next to her fiance, right? Right about now, around 10 something, Connor and the kids from our church, they're, they're visiting a church in Dallas and they're worshiping the Lord as my brothers and sisters in Christ. Not here under my protection as a parent. They're always my kids this side of eternity. In fact, I would tell you in heaven, I would think, I think I'm gonna know that Connor was my son and Ashley was my daughter. But the way I'll really know them is as a brother and sister in Christ. And I, and I know we don't fully understand that on this side of eternity, but I want you to hear, I believe wholeheartedly that our relationships with our brothers and sisters in our home is dramatically important. And I think our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ is even more so. And when they come together, it's beautiful, right? And, and that's what I just kept coming to. Like God in his infinite wisdom chose to put into place all creation pointing to him and he chose to do that with our family so in that big picture at, the, at its core the strongest understanding of the word brother I want you to know as a Christian is those who are in relationship to me and you under our father in heaven like that's the most important thing Jesus will say it you, you've got to love me so much more than you love your earthly family it's going to look like you hate them when it comes to me like if you have to choose it's going to be so quick it's going to hurt your mom's feelings it's basically what he's saying but he's not saying hate your mother he's saying in comparison to me that's where love is but when those two things come together god blows it up he makes it a beautiful thing i was looking in psalm chapter um, 133 as I was looking through and I thought about this passage, right? I don't know if your mom ever told you about this. I mean, sometimes we use scripture in funny ways. I, I remember it this way. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Amen? I mean, isn't your house good and pleasant when brothers dwell in unity? It's, it's a true thing. I mean, y'all, we grew up in a rowdy home, right? We grew up on wrestling, not wrestling, wrestling. Y'all know, which means we practiced it. And you know, when, when, when brothers and sisters get to wrestling, somebody gets hurt and all of a sudden play becomes what? 
grounded. That's what it becomes. Like someone's going to do something wrong. Someone loses their temper. Like something starts to break. And so we know in our home, there's a real reality that when our family, when our siblings, when we are dwelling in unity, it's good. It is pleasant. But listen to what David says. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon that falls in the mountains of Zion. For the Lord has commanded the blessings, the blessing life forevermore. God didn't have to inspire David to use Aaron as this. Aaron was the figurehead of the priestly line of Levites. Remember, we talked about that, the ones who served the Lord in public. That was, that was who Moses was, and therefore, that's who his brothers and sisters became. We see Miriam's role. We see the priestly lineage that Aaron became over. In this picture, here's what I thought. Lord, what does it look like for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity? Like, we know it's sweet, like the blessing of God, the anointing of God dripping on air. It's like, it's like an abundance. The picture is supposed to make you say, this is it. And, I, and I, I know we can't always see this in our spiritual family. So I think God gives us our worldly family that says, gosh, when my kids are not only not at each other's throat, it's a good day. But when my children, when I see them striving together towards the Lord, that's when I love being a parent the most. Amen? Like when you wake up and they're visiting about the Lord or when they're serving together. Like when they're in unity my children are very different. God doesn't want them to be the same. But when they are running in the same direction and encouraging each other, that's when it's sweetest to be a family. I want you to know God gave us that experience because it needed to point to something bigger. That in the bride of Christ, in relation to other sons and daughters, when you and I dwell together in unity running after the voice of our father obeying the lord there's a blessing that's waiting for us and so i want you to know in the world where my son is visiting churches for the first time like wherever god leads him what i want him to know is what i'm telling you today is that you and i need one another you were made to worship the Lord together and to do it in unity, right? And the old adage of what destroys more churches is like the vote over what color carpet to have in the sanctuary. We don't let small things get in the way of the unity of running towards Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bible, Exodus chapter four, just that's the, the premise. Now listen to that as we listen to a story that you're probably very familiar with. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses has fled Egypt. He's no longer a baby. He's been raised in Pharaoh's house. I'm telling you, I believe that everybody knew he was a Jew. I don't think it was, I mean, I've seen lots of pictures and all that kind of thing. I'm not saying that he didn't, you know, dress the way the Egyptians dressed or that kind of thing. But I don't think it was a secret. And there came a day where it became too much 
Moses maybe felt like a pretender, I don't know. But somewhere along the way, an Egyptian is beating a, a, a Jewish man. And he says, enough, enough. And he says, my people are Israel. And he kills the guard and he tries to cover it up. And it turns out bad, so he flees into the desert. As he flees in the desert, he finds safe haven. And one day he finds himself up on a mountain. And the Lord starts speaking to him. And the Lord says, listen, I have a plan for you. You're going to go in and you're going to lead my people out so they can worship me in the land that I've promised to them. That's where we pick up. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. The Bible says this. But Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord... <laughs> this is so good. You should say that with a southern accent. Oh, my Lord. I am not eloquent either in the past since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, deaf, seeing, blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go. I will be with your mouth and teach you what to speak. Verse 13. And he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. And you'll speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with your mouth. I will be with his mouth. I will teach you both what to do. And he shall speak to the people for you to the people. And he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand a staff with which you will do the signs. Now listen, jump down to verse 27. Verse 27 says, And the Lord said to, Mo, to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him in the mountain of God, and he kissed him. And Moses told Aaron the words of the Lord, which he had sent him to speak, and all the signs that he commanded him to do. And then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs inside of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel uh, and that he had sent, seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped him. Just for context, let me, let me walk you through that. I mean, exaggeration was a common thing. To over-exaggerate a weakness is a big deal. What's interesting is that God just tells Moses, I have the best plan for you ever. And Moses is like, nah, that's so cool. I, I much prefer like to hang out in the desert. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been kind of afraid to say, God, I'm all in? Have you ever been in that moment where you said, God, I would love to, but... You know, what's funny is a, a, a Moses says, listen, you know, I have this speech thing going on. If you look for the rest of the book of Exodus, look at Deuteronomy, look at, look at it all. Moses talks all of the time, all the time. It, it, it doesn't talk about his speech impediment ever again. You know, sometimes when we say, God, I see your big, big vision. I see your plan for my life. I see what you have for me. We then try to say, I can't find a way that I can accomplish it. So we just make up something that's a barrier. Lord, I'm, I'm too shy. Lord, I've, I've done too much. God, I've had a temper in the past. God, I've been here. God, you, you don't know. You just, God, basically, God, please use someone else. 
And on the, on the other side, I, I think if Moses would have been a different person, God would have treated him differently. Because I think there's at times where God says, I've got a big plan. And we say, God say nothing else. I already have it all under control. If you'll just back me up, we're in good shape. Hey, note to self, that's not how you walk into things either. Right? What God is telling Moses is, you follow me. I'm going to do all of the stuff. You live in obedience. You be obedient. And I have great plans for my people and for my name. And I'm going to use you for this purpose. Moses is scared out of his mind. Honestly, he says, no, I don't want it. And have you ever, ever as a parent known what was best for your child? And that's why you were calling them to something. It was going to be good for them. And it's all part of your big plan of parenting. And they reject it. Have you ever tried to surprise your kid? Only on the way to the surprise, they pitch a fit so loud, you now are upset with yourself for planning a surprise for them. Like you want to take the surprise away. Has that ever happened? Y'all, that happened in our house lots. Right? Here's what's interesting. God, it says, gets angry at Moses. And Moses feels that discipline. That his rejection of the Lord's command... <clears throat> It's robbing Moses of something. It's not robbing God of something. See, when our fear gets in the way, we aren't messing up God's plan. We're messing up our delight in God's grace. As I read all of this, I had to ask a question about God. Because if we're going to dwell in unity, then the one who calls us to dwell in unity, his reputation matters. Like, I don't think we can be a good family without understanding our father a little bit. Amen? I mean, if, if, if the father of a family and the mother of a family, if you have plans for the family and every kid goes, no, I'm going to do something really awesome, but in complete rejection of you, then it's not awesome. So the question is this, when Moses said, please someone else, oh Lord, please someone else, and God gets angry and he says, here's Aaron coming. He's gonna be your mouth and whatnot. We have a question to ask. Is God a reactionary God or is God sovereign? That's the question that this moment demands in understanding. If we are brothers and sisters under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, is God just always reacting to, well, you said no, well, okay, let me figure out something else. Or, oh, that didn't go as it planned, let me try this. Does God have a plan B, C, or D? Or is God in control? And I'll tell you what, as I read scripture, it became really clear. Because in verse 27... It says, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. If you go backwards in verse 14, it says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. The coming of Aaron has already started. while Moses is saying, please send somebody else. Here's what I thought when I read this. That tells me that God is in control. 
here's what I wrote it means that God knows our needs and he's already provided for them right didn't that sound like that thread runs all the way through scripture like God already knew that Moses needed someone too. Like he knew his brother was the one. I, I can imagine God saying, this is, this is always my plan. I know you. So when your, your father in heaven is calling you to be a child who follows him and you say, God, I'm afraid. I, I don't know how this is gonna work. We can trust that God is already knowing your needs and providing for him. What I wrote down was this, that God delights in giving us a relationship to share our experiences when we follow him. Before God was angry, he sent Aaron out. It's God's pleasure when his children dwell together in unity. Think about what you see in the beginning of scripture. God made Adam. It was God's plan to design Eve. It was God's plan to create family. Over and over in scripture, what we see is we have a God who's sovereign and for his children, that means for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, that God delights when we share our journey with one another. And it's a beautiful thing to him and it pleases him. See, if that's the foundation for who God is, God could have sent anybody. He could have said, listen, Moses, there's a guy that you've never met walking your way. His name is John, and he looks like this, and he'll be your mouthpiece. He could have said that, but he didn't. He chose Aaron, his brother, before Moses ever objected saying I need someone with me church God is enough but in his grandness he still designed family what I love about all of this is Moses is going and he says Lord please send someone else and then verse 14 the Lord says I'll send Aaron I'll send Aaron to you now if you look through the rest of the passage, do you know what stops the moment God says, I'm sending Aaron? Moses' objection. Isn't that interesting? The moment God says, I will be with you. I've already told you that, but I am bringing Aaron. He's already on his way to the desert to meet you. It's amazing how God has designed us as the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, to be more confident when we stand together, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. As a child, we see this in our family. I mean, do you remember kind of flashback? I'll go back to the 80s. You can go back to whatever decade you want to go to. But I remember the first time I was home alone, right? And it was night and the windows were black. It was scary. I wasn't sure what was out there. I wasn't sure what was going on. But do you know all it took is having my brother in the house with me or my sister in the house. As long as one of my siblings was in the house with me, I wasn't afraid. It's amazing how God designed us to have confidence in that. That's why now today, when we walk through life's journeys together as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's something about God's design for his church. He didn't just send his son to save one. 
He sent his son to save many. Church, look at the pages of scripture. Look how Jesus sends the disciples out. He doesn't send them out one by one. He sends them out how? Two by two. There's a value, there's an importance to you and I sharing life with people who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and God Almighty as their Father. You can't make it small. And if you are the father of every group that you're in, then you're in rebellion. Because we are meant to dwell with our brothers and sisters in Christ under our Father. So where are you? Do you find yourself kind of shaken in your faith or wondering why the world's against you? Do you find yourself always on the side of a battle and no one standing next to you? Is your, is your confidence being built by the Father's plan through his spirit? Are you being encouraged through your brothers in Christ? Moses was. So I just thought, what does it look like for brothers to encourage one another? Well, here's the thing. If you're note takers, I'll give you three things that we see in Moses and Aaron's story that allows us to know what it means to be a good brother in Christ, what it means to be a good brother under God's plan. We see Moses and Aaron sharing the word of God with one another. We see them serving the Lord in his plan together. And we see them worship the Lord together. I would tell you those three things, the dream of God for his family. I, I think they're the dream of what we're gonna be doing in eternity with all incredibleness. God gives us a plan to act it out now and it's the hope of every parent. Could you imagine mom and dad? Could you imagine seeing that in your home? Like, you, let's pretend you were to go out on a date and when you come home, your children are there and they're not playing a video game, but they're talking about God's word. They're thinking of how they can have the house clean for you when they got back to let you know that they love you and they are just bowing in prayer. You would think the rapture came and you got left, right? Right? Like, what? what? That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Right now, sports is like the closest we get to, to faking that out, right? It's like when we hear one sibling cheering for another, it blesses your heart. But that's our plan. Why is it? Because that's God's design. We build one another up with his word. We serve the Lord together for his plans and we worship God with one another for his glory. That's how to be a good brother or sister in Christ and in your home it's not any different listen let's look and see listen to verse 27 through verse 31 and i want you to listen for how moses and aaron do these things i'll read it to you again and the lord said to aaron go into the wilderness and meet moses and so he met him in the mountain of god and he kissed him and i know i left that out for the home model for y'all and moses said to aaron all the words the lord with to the lord with which he had sent him to speak and he showed him all the signs that he commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went, to get, went and gathered together all the elders of the people. And Aaron spoke all the words the Lord had spoken to Moses. And he did all of this in the sight of the people. Verse 31, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel. And that he had seen their affliction. They bowed their head and worshipped him. Do you see it? 
A good brother shares the word of God with others. A good sister shares the word of God. This isn't evangelism. This is sharing the word of God with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it's showing and sharing. This is what God has told me. This is what happened. What I love is Moses doesn't play it cool in the story. It's like he see Mo, sees Aaron, they kiss each other, and Moses says, Bleh! right? He just says, this is everything God's been saying. This is everything God's been doing. Can you almost feel the relief come through Moses, like that childlike excitement, right? I mean, it's that childlike excitement when, when, when one of your kids would come home from school and they couldn't wait. Connor would always, I can't wait to show Ashley this or what I did. Or, do you know what I'm talking about? Man, that's what we do every time we walk, walk in the house. Like, hey, did y'all see I mowed the yard today? I mean, it just keeps going and going. Right? So there's a joy in this. And, and Moses, very quickly, he's excited to say, this is what God has said. This is what God has done. It's almost that I am so happy that you are here. Let me ask you in your life, are you in God's word? And when God speaks his truth through his word, what do you do with it? Do you have a brother or sisters in Christ that you share it with? I remember Scott, while I was gone, said, you know, asking what you're reading in Scripture. I'd love the idea of asking, and we need to, but how much better would it be if no one ever had to ask? Because the words that God put in His Word and His Spirit revealing the truth to us through His Word, that they just filled our words throughout the everyday when we talk to our brothers and sisters in Christ. What kind of faith would that be? I would tell you it's a foundational faith. If you look at John uh, chapter 1, verse 41, Andrew has seen the Messiah. And this is what happens. It says, the first thing Andrew did was find Simon and share, I found the Messiah the thing he wanted to share with his brother more than anything else in the world was not about the weather it wasn't about fish it wasn't about sports it wasn't about politics it was about Jesus church what would it take what would it look like for you and I to be a good brother a good sister for our Lord what would it look like if you were in the word and as God showed it to you, you shared it? Whether we, today we see that in text, whether through this weird thing called a phone that you pick up and talk to people on, right? Whether it's having people over. What would happen if you intentionally said, God, I wanna be so in love with my father that when you share your word with me, the first thing I want to do when people come around is just share what you've shared. I'm not trying to, listen, we, God doesn't need salesmen and women. He needs children who just said, this is what God is showing me and sharing with me. What's God showing and sharing with you? Don't let it be one-sided. See, Moses starts it, Aaron keeps it going. A one-sided conversation is a lecture, it's a monologue. I get it, it's a sermon, but follow me, right? That's not what we do in our, I don't, I don't stand up at Christmas time and say, one second, I got 30 minutes of what Jesus told me to share with you all. We just talk. What happens if that just talking 
is sharing the word of God that he is showing you and teaching you in his word and listening for how God is doing the same in one another's life. I'll tell you what that is. That's family. That's what that is. That's being a good brother. A good brother serves the Lord with others. Did you hear that in the story as well? It says after uh, Moses was done telling everything, it says he shared all the words of the Lord, which he sent to speak and all the signs. Then Moses and Aaron went to gather together all the elders of the people. And Aaron spoke all the words the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. They followed the Lord's command, how? Together. They both went. They were both gathering everybody up. They were serving the Lord with one another. This isn't the first time, and it's not the, it's the first time, but it's not the last time. In, in, in Exodus chapter 15, Joshua's battling. Moses is tired, but every time he lowers his hands, they start to lose. Guess who's there holding up an arm? Aaron. Serving the Lord with you as a brother. I think here's, here's the rub in this. We have lived in such an individualistic society that we go so far away. Our family lives in a small 80-mile circumference, right? We're back in the middle. We have a kid, family 40 miles this way and 40 miles that way. We, we spread so far out that oftentimes we forget that God has made us a part of a family in our home. I think there are times when you and I only see each other on Sundays or we only touch base in a small group here or there that we miss out and we forget that God has designed us to serve him together. You're not made to carry the burden all by yourself. You're not made to be the whole body, Paul would say. You're not the eye, the ear, the mouth, the toe, the ankle, the wrists. That's an unbiblical picture. We need one another. How wonderful is it when a brother picks up the phone, a sister picks up the phone and says, I just need to talk to you because I need to pray. Would you pray with me? We've been going through some life changes. My, my nephew's going off to college. Connor's going off to college. So my younger brother and I, we've been doing that. How are you doing? What's going on? What can we be praying about today? When we're serving the Lord together in prayer, when we're talking about how we can love our sons, when we're doing these things together, God is being glorified and it draws us nearer together. Are you serving the Lord with anybody? Or are you just running a solo act? And if they would just do what you did, life would be good, right? I mean, if, if, everybody, if everybody would just listen and come along, it would be great. That's not what God says. He says, serve me. He doesn't tell you to serve David Adams. It's good when we serve the Lord together. In the church, that's true. That's why when you're growing in your faith, church, over and over, God says, be obedient to me. Go serve. But it always leads to worship. I think this is the piece that gets left out the most in our homes. For Aaron and for Moses, it didn't get left out. Once they have, have encouraged each other by sharing the word, once they have served the Lord together, it ends and it says the people believed, they knew that God had seen their affliction and they worshiped him. 
we worship here in this room. But my question is this, when's the last time you intentionally worshiped next to a brother or sister in Christ? That may have been this morning. You may have walked in this room this morning and said, God, I can't wait to lift my voice up with the voices of the saints and worship you. And that's amazing. But, but I don't know if that's always our thought. I think a lot of times we walk into a room and we lift our voice up to God and it's good. But the reason that the, the Lord inspired Hebrews chapter 10 to be written and, and tuck away this verse that says, do not forsake the assembly, the gathering together is because he wants his children together to worship him. He doesn't want us fighting over the song we sang. He doesn't want us critiquing each other's voices, amen. He just wants us to know that you're a part of a bigger family. You're a part of a bigger group. And we're in relation to one another because we're connected by our Father in heaven. When's the last time you switched your radio on, embarrassed the stew out of your kids and just said, hey, let's sing to the Lord together? When's the last time your house was filled with the worship in prayer or in song with your family? At our house, I remember at Christmas time, there were times when mom would say, she would say, listen, sit down, let's read the Christmas story. And you know what our house will be filled with? Oh, we're stopping all the fun. Praise God, we have a good father who pushes through our immaturity. and says at the end of this, we'll be better than you were at the beginning. Do you worship with people? Or do you just worship among people? What is family going to be like in heaven? We're going to be talking about the things our fathers told us. We're going to be having a blast serving him and elevating his name. We're going to be worshiping him with every breath that we take. Start now. You're not alone. If someone that you know and love has a relationship with Jesus Christ, they're your brother or your sister. And if you are blessed enough that those who live in your household have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they are your brothers and your sisters. So speak the things of God together. Serve the Lord together and worship God together. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can't do any of those things. You can't man make it. You can't manufacture it. What scripture says is if you humble yourself before the Lord, that he will lift you up. Humility means confessing God, I am insufficient, but I trust that you are all sufficient. So have your way with me, my father and my king. And that's where it begins. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, as we look in scripture, as we look at your word, God, we just pray that you would help us to have a new desire and a passion. 
to be the sons and daughters you have designed us to be, which means in relationship to one another, the brothers and the sisters you have designed us to be. God, we, we don't want to try it on our own. We don't want to do it on our own. Our lives are littered with the brokenness of sin, even with the best intentions. So God, we want something more. We praise you for the delight that you chose to have in creating family, in making it more even than the world could dream of. So God, I just ask today, Lord, that you would stir in us a desire to be a part of that family, to be a good brother, a good sister, sharing the word, serving together, God, and worshiping our King.